Hello, my name is Raymond Gay, the third host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, sorry about the lateness of this podcast, guys. I've been doing hurricane prep and been trying to get my house in order as we prepare for Hurricane Michael, which is supposed to hit tomorrow. So I, I apologize for how late this is coming out, but we're going to get right into it. For those of you who are returning listeners, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have given me you know, throughout this podcast. It's really been amazing. And if you're a new listener and you don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State for each of the last four years. I started as an intern on the NoldDigest.com site on the Scout Network, worked my way up to the publisher of that site, and then got the job as the beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat in August of 2016. I cover football, baseball, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, football, I cover every home, away, bowl game, doesn't matter, I'm there. I was in Miami Gardens for Florida State's 28-27 loss to Miami this past Saturday. I cover every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time there's a practice that's open, every time a player speaks, co- assistant coordinators, assistant coaches, doesn't matter, I'm there. Basketball, I cover every basketball home game as well as any postseason basketball games. I was in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run this past year. Baseball, I cover every baseball home game as well as any postseason baseball games that aren't in Tallahassee. I was out in Omaha for Florida State's College World Series run two years ago. And then I cover every major and minor recruiting event like Florida State's Saturday Night Live or Junior Day events that happened uh, that happened in February and March. So. I have a pretty good idea of what's going on around the Florida State program as far as the three major sports go, and I hope that translates well into this podcast, but this uh, this podcast is going to be a little light on content, not, not truly light, but a little light, just because we only had two days of practice this week. We're going to talk a little bit about what we saw there, and then uh, Florida State has canceled its Wednesday practice with Hurricane Michael coming, and then there's some... The coaches are getting out on the road recruiting. The players are going uh, all over the country back to, most likely back to back to their homes to avoid Hurricane Michael. You know, a couple of guys, Dontavious Jackson and Marvin Wilson, were getting on the road, road tripping it out to Houston. They'll be back on Saturday when Florida State returns to practice. But, you know, Hurricane Michael's throwing in, uh, throwing a wrench into Florida State's plans. Football, baseball, basketball have all canceled events this week. Luckily, you know, unlike the past two years when hurricanes come calling, Florida State will not, uh, it won't affect any, any football practices or really any, any football practices or games. Uh, two years ago with Hurricane, uh, Hurricane Hermine, you know, Florida State was uh, forced to not practice right before the season opener against Ole Miss. And then last year it canceled the Louisiana Monroe game and, that was forced to be make, made up at the the end of the season because Florida State needed it to get to a bowl game. So Hurricane Michael throwing a wrench into everybody's plans, including mine. Um, but jumping into what we saw at practice this week, De- uh, DeAndre Francois was not taking first-team reps quarterback on Monday, but that was just because he was he was pretty beaten up after the game. He was limping a lot on Monday, and James Blackman was taking first-team reps. Blackman was uh, taking second team reps on Tuesday with Francois returning to full a full participant in practice, so nothing there. It was interesting when Willie Taggart spoke Monday about about what happened. He basically laughed. Uh, he he was asked about 
DeAndre Francois being the starting quarterback and people who have been calling for James Blackman to start, and he basically laughed at at the idea that that DeAndre Francois wouldn't be the starter. Um, we're going to get into that in just a minute on why I think James Blackman deserves a chance and why I understand why and why I understand why Willie Taggart's continuing to ride with with DeAndre, but. Today we get to talk to defensive players, defense, and uh, defense coordinator Harlan Barnett, and he was talking about how he was very pleased with the way that the defense played overall against Miami. He said that they've got to do a better job of finishing drives, which was you know a big issue because the offense put the defense in some really bad positions. Uh, the offense and special teams put the defense in really bad positions during the the Miami game. I mean, Miami started inside Florida State's 30-yard line, I think, three different times. And, uh, you know, two of those were in the third quarter off of turnovers, and Miami took advantage and scored 14 points off that. Florida State did get to fourth down on one of those, but it was just that they didn't finish well enough, and Harlan uh, was, was basically saying that they've, they've got to finish. They've got to find a way to get through it, even when teams are going forward on fourth down. Um, he praised the play of the defensive line, which looks like one of the best defensive lines in college football. Brian Burns, Marvin Wilson, Demarcus Christmas, and Fred Jones were all just fantastic against Miami. Marvin Jones or Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones would have been nice to have against Miami, but you know, Marvin Wilson was uh, was especially awesome. He, you know, I mean, he he broke double teams. He ended up with two sacks. He was uh, he was probably if not Florida State's best player, one of the top two or three. Brian Burns also made the case for being one of the uh, the best players of that game. So it's, you know, Florida State's defensive line has been fantastic. There, there, was, there are some issues on defense, and um, I'm going to get into those real quick. We'll get into Blackman versus uh, Francois in the second segment. But the defense right now, th- there have been some holes. Uh, one of the holes that that Miami was able to exploit is when they got, they were able to get a tight end on a linebacker that not named Jaden would be. It was uh, it wasn't a great situation. Brevin Jordan's 41 yard touchdown pass was on DeKalen Brooks. That was DeKalen Brooks man. And he just flat out outran him to the, uh, to the end zone it was pretty much wide open. That's, that's a scheme issue. You have to understand the limits of your players and DeKalen Brooks should really never be in that position. I understand that you, you in the defense that they want to run, the linebackers have to be able to run with tight ends, but Florida State just doesn't have the personnel to do that right now. DeKalen is not going to be ex, uh, he's he's not going to excel in coverage. He's I mean, he's short, <laughs> he's not particularly big, and he's not the most athletic guy out there. He's a good football player. He has great instincts. I'm not knocking the kid's instincts or his ability as a football player, but Florida State has to understand his limitations when they have him out there, and putting him in coverage against a very athletic tight end like Brevin Jordan isn't uh, isn't ever going to be successful because he's just not athletically gifted enough to run with him. And I think that that's one of the... Uh, one of the main issues that I saw with them, also, you know, A.J. Westbrook having to line up on Jeff Thomas was just a huge issue. Thomas is one of the fastest players in college football, and Westbrook isn't exactly a fast safety. Um, I thought, you know, Westbrook did all right when he was matched up in that, but it wasn't, wasn't the greatest of situations for him. Um, 
but the de- the defensive line. I mean, you can't say I can't say enough about how good you know, three quarters of that defensive line is. I do think that Florida State has some issues at um, <clears throat> at defensive end. Excuse me for that. Um, at defensive end opposite of Brian Burns, Wally Amy and Janarius Robinson have kind of underwhelmed so far this season, and that's been a pretty big issue for the Seminoles at the, at this point. The, I mean, the rest of the defensive line is pretty much covering it up, but those those two guys and then Josh Kamdo haven't exactly been been at their best so far this season and aren't really making the impact that Florida State needs them to make. Now, it's like I said, it's been covered up by great interior play and Brian Burns playing his tail off, but Florida State needs somebody else to step up at defensive end, and so far that hasn't happened. I would like to see Dennis Briggs get some more snaps. He's been very good in practice, and... You know the the one snap that I've seen him play on defense was was awesome. So I think he needs to get some more snaps, needs to get some more playing time, and I think he will as you know he gets more comfortable in the defense that they're running. But Florida State needs someone to step up at defensive end outside of Brian Burns, and uh, hopefully over the next six games they'll find that guy because Burns is definitely gone at the end of the year, and Florida State's going to have to find some defensive ends for next year. Now they could. Uh, could help with Kayvon Thibodeau, the five-star out of California, and Florida State is very much in his recruitment along with Alabama. So it's going to be interesting to see if Florida State can pull that one off because they desperately need him, and he could probably come in and start immediately. But that'll do it for this first segment. Um, talked about the defense, but we'll get into the quarterbacks and the quarterback battle between the between the two guys in the next segment. But before we get into that, We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there to cheer on the Knolls wherever they are. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, all capitalized, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the second segment. We're going to be talking quarterbacks and why I believe that James Blackman should get a chance to uh, should get a chance coming out of the bye week to start. Uh, DeAndre has been pretty good against bad competition this year, but when he's had to play good defenses, um, it's it's been a bit of a struggle. You know, he. Uh, Against Virginia Tech, he threw three interceptions. Against Syracuse, he completed 50% of his passes with one interception. And against Miami, he completed 50% of his passes with two touchdowns and one interception. So he's thrown five interceptions to two touchdowns against the three best teams Florida State's played so far this season and hasn't really looked very good doing it. You know, he, he was forced, like the Virginia Tech game, he was forced into making a lot of mistakes because Florida State was down and then in Syracuse he just looked flat out awful and that was because the you know some of some of that was the offensive line really struggling in front of him and some of that was him not helping his offensive line by stepping up into into the pocket uh, against Miami that was another big issue 
Francois just not seeing the blitzes that he's supposed to be seeing. He's not stepping up and into the pocket and letting the tackles run around them, which is part of the part of what they're supposed to be doing. The tackles are supposed to run the defenses defensive ends around him, but if if Francois's not willing to step up into the pocket and climb the pocket, then it makes it a you know it, it's going to be a sack because the the offensive tackles are doing what they're supposed to be doing in that in that situation, and it, I know it looks bad with just the defensive end running by but that's what they're supposed to be doing they're supposed to be running the defensive ends by there and Francois supposed to be climbing the pocket and it just hasn't uh, he has it hasn't happened and he's you know, I mean he's been all right at times he's still not making the correct reads at this point in time on a lot of read option plays he did much better against Miami much better against Miami um, in in the first half but in the second half he reverted back didn't see blitzes you know, made some questionable throws into traffic. He didn't see the whole field. And I'm not sure that that gets better with James Blackman, right? We're not sure what we're going to get from a James Blackman that hasn't played so far in this new system and, frankly, looked absolutely awful during the during fall camp. I mean, he, he was not very good. He pretty much lost the job, the starting job to DeAndre Francois that first week because he was so bad. Um, but as he continues to get to, to grow in the offense and learn the offense, he's, he's going to be a guy that makes the right decisions and the guys around him, the team around him, love him. He's the ultimate teammate. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he's on the sideline. He is constantly pumping up his guys. He's constantly, you know, just cheering for for his team. I mean, the guys love him. You see him in practice. He's the first guy, the first guy to go celebrate with an offensive player whenever they do something right. You know, the other day when Wally, Amy, and Brady Scott were getting into it, the first guy over there to defend Scott was was James Blackman. Like He was the first guy to go celebrate. He's the first guy to stick up for his teammates, and his teammates love him. Flat out, they love him. And, you know, DeAndre has the respect of his team, but I'm not sure that they love him anywhere near as much as they love James Blackman. Um, I do think that with Blackman, the running game would be much better because I do think he's going to make the right reads in those situations. Um, I'm not sure the passing game gets gets better because I don't. I do think that DeAndre is a much better passer than Blackman is. He has he has a stronger arm, and I, I do think he's an overall better quarterback. But if Francois is unwilling to run and not making the right reads, Blackman is willing to run. We, we saw it before, and he's more athletic than you would think for a guy his size. You know, you just go look back at the NC State game last year where he had that huge run and ended up being a fumble, but he's an athletic guy. He can run the football, and I do think that that would take some pressure off the offensive line. It would take some pressure off the Florida State running backs, would have, which have yet to get going. So I do think it would help Florida State as far as balance goes to get him into the starting lineup and let him let him run the offense because I do think the running game would be better with James Blackman. But I'm uh, like I said, I'm not sure if the passing game is going to get any better. And Francois, I do believe, is the better overall quarterback. So I think that at this point, what you see is what you're getting from DeAndre Francois. He really hasn't gotten gotten any better significantly better. Miami was much better as far as, you know, making the correct reads, at least in the first half. The second half was more of the same, so he keeps reverting back to that. 
and that's going to continue to be an issue for him all season, I believe, because I just haven't seen him make enough progress in that area to believe that he can he can turn it around. And Blackman, we don't, you know, I mean, he, he's the unknown at this point. All we've seen of him is what I've seen in practice, and in for the first part of fall camp, he was he was atrocious. But you see him run uh, run some things in practice, and you see that he's willing to run. You see that he's willing to make the right reads. The problem for Taggart, I believe, is that when he makes the change, if he makes the change, you can't go back to DeAndre. I'm not. I don't believe that DeAndre would be able to uh, would be able to handle being demoted like that. I, I don't think that he would be able to come back from that if if something were to happen and James was absolutely terrible. I don't know that like he would be able to come back in into uh, into that role and have success. So. It, Taggart's kind of gotten, gotten a dilemma. He has to go with the player that either isn't making the right reads but is a good thrower of the football, or he has to go with an unknown who may or may not make the offense better. And it's it's a very tough decision. I would like to see James Blackman you know, get a chance because I do think that he would make the offense more balanced, help the running game out, and would would allow some some different things to happen in the offense but I do think the passing game would take a step back but the I do believe that the running game would get much better and I, I don't know that for a fact but I do believe I, I believe that so there's arguments for both guys and it's a tough decision from Tiger especially you know considering that I don't believe if you remove Francois you can put him back in so and remember Bailey Hockman's gone so there's there's no other scholarship quarterbacks behind um, behind Blackman and Francois. There's there's nothing. So Florida State's going it, to... It's, it's a really, really tough decision for Deon, or for Willie Taggart on, to, to make that change. If it happens, it should probably happen after the bye week so you're not, you know, you're throwing him in against Wake Forest rather than throwing him in against Clemson, NC State, Notre Dame, Boston College, or Florida, at least get him some, you know, some confidence heading into those games. But <clears throat> if if you make the change after that, you kind of throwing him to the wolves and hoping for the best. So I do think that if we're going to see a change, it has to be after the bye week. And um, but also with with practice being canceled tomorrow, and then you know we'll have to wait and see how Saturday goes if Tallahassee's even in condition for Florida State to be able to practice but it, it the bye week is not going to help James Blackman's cause at this point just because of how affected it has been by the hurricane so we'll have to wait and see what Taggart does I don't believe he's going to make a change I do think that the Florida State offense would overall be better I don't know that for a fact obviously because we haven't seen James Blackman run it in its entirety um and that it's obviously going to be a very, very tough decision for, for Willie Taggart. <clears throat> but that'll do it for this uh, this segment of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. We'll be back in the in the next segment talking about some guys that I think have made real strides during the first six weeks of the season that have just been uh, that have been very good for Florida State. And we're going to talk about those guys in the next segment. But that's the end of this segment. And before we get into the third segment, thanks for sticking with me for the final segment. 
talk a little bit about guys that I think have, have really stepped up for the Seminoles um, this season from what they were. I've already mentioned Marvin Wilson. Everybody knows how good he's been, so I'm not going to talk about him, uh, even though he's a guy probably the most that stepped up the most from what he did last season. But another guy on the on the defensive line that I thought has been, or I think has been very, very good is Corey Durden. And Durden hasn't practiced the past two days. He's been banged up. Didn't really see him much against Miami. He's pretty banged up um, as far as that goes. But he, he's played extremely well so far uh, this season. He has two sacks, and he's got... He's got two and a half tackles for loss, but he's he's really made an impact when he's gotten in. He's fighting off double teams. He's He's been really good. Um, so I, I do think that he's a guy that next year when DeMarcus Christmas and um, Fred Jones are gone that could step into, into a starting role next to Marvin Wilson. <clears throat> and I think that would be a very good combination for the Seminoles overall, pairing those two together in the starting lineup because both of those guys have been very good. And then you've got big Robert Cooper, who's played well in the time that we've seen him play. So I think Florida State's in good hands as far as the defensive tackles go for the time for, you know, in the in the future as well as this season. It's been, it's been pretty good. Um, another guy that I think has, has really stepped up from, from what he did last year is obviously Tamori and Terry, but I'm going to go with Keith Gavin. Gavin's been much better than he was a year ago. He's been much more consistent. He does fall off at times and kind of goes invisible late in games, but he's been very consistent for this Florida State offense, and he's giving a lot of effort uh, when it comes to blocking. He's gotten much better at that from the beginning of the season. He's still not a great blocker for a guy his size, but he's drastically improved. He's the second-leading receiver on the team, 291 yards. He's got 20 receptions, and he got his first touchdown of his career. He got the monkey off his back. So maybe that'll uh, spur him on, and you know, you know, now that, that he doesn't have to worry about it, that it's finally come, that he'll be able to relax a little bit more and have some more success because I don't think that that, that was his final touchdown of the year. I think he's going to be a big part of the offense going forward. Obviously, Tamori and Terry's been a man-child. That dude is a badass. Sorry, for the language, but that dude is awesome. Um, he's an excellent blocker. He's, I mean, he plays his tail off every single time they're on. He's on the field. He plays with just excellent effort away from the ball, with the ball in his hands. He's he's awesome. I've talked about him a lot on this uh, on the podcast, but he's he's been awesome. Another guy that has been far better than than I really thought he would be so far, you know, in this offense. And it's, you have to take it with a grain of salt because we're grading on a curve here. But I thought Jacques Patrick would have, would struggle a little bit more in this offense. And he's been, honestly, he's probably been the best, better running back than Cam Akers when he gets the ball. I mean, he's been, he's been running hard. He's been running through tackles. He hasn't, I mean, there's, the offensive line hasn't opened him up many holes, but he's been really good the past two games. And, yeah, he's only averaging just over three and a half yards of carry, and he doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. But he's running hard, and he's he's had more success. He, obviously, grading on a curve here, he's had more success than I thought he would he would in this offense because I just didn't feel like this offense fit him very well. You, know, you watch him run out of the shotgun last year, and it was a major struggle just because he's not fast enough to beat guys to the outside. But he's been very good in this offense. Obviously, grading on the curve, you know, 
I keep, I keep saying that, but basically what I mean is the offensive line hasn't opened up any holes, and Patrick has been getting the yards that he can when that happens. He's been he's been running north-south. He hasn't been running east-west, and he's been picking up the yards. He's been running hard. So I do think that he's uh, he's been better than I thought he would. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. I still have some more hurricane prep to do for the uh, for the house before Michael gets here. I will uh, do my best to get a podcast out tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see at that point. Everything's kind of up in the air on when I lose power, when I you know if I if I still have power. Um, but I'll do my best to get the podcast out, guys, and hopefully uh, hopefully you'll be able to listen tomorrow. But for this edition of the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I really appreciate all of your support and. You know, I I hope you'll you'll come back and continue to listen. Um, but if that's it for uh, for this edition for the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I'm Wayne McGahey. Have a wonderful day and be safe during Hurricane Michael if you're in the Big Bend area.